Hey everyone, welcome back to Coffee Connections. My name is Seth Weiner and I am your, and your, and your, well I'm all of your, because I'm your Rockshineer. Uh, excited to be here on a Thursday, this beautiful fall weather we're having this spring. It's so crazy, it really is. I just feel like I walked out in like the time warp, but it's okay because I'm a runner and these are the days that we live for. Um, Speaking of living for, I always tell you this. I live for what I do because it's so much fun. On last Saturday, we did the uh, Catholic Charities uh, of Atlanta, their uh, virtual gala. They did such an incredible job. Um, if you've seen my video, it was recorded in Cyclomedia, and that's actually the studio we got to work with in doing uh, this virtual gala. It was a home run. Uh, their supporters were just fantastic and very generous in their bidding. Uh, lots of travel packages went, um, but it was a fun night. Uh, and um, just incredible people to work with. And this is my that was my fourth year working with them. So super, super, super excited about that. And that was like in studio. And now Saturday, I shift gears. And I'm working with the Clifton School over here in Emory uh, and doing their virtual gala, which is going to be completely on Zoom. And it's going to have one of my signature moves, signature moves, signature uh, revenue generators, uh, the virtual bingo. It's a name that tune bingo. Uh, lots of fun in store with that one as well. So it's 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 a real true pleasure working with all these different organizations from schools <clears throat> to, uh, well, to to you name it, right? I mean, just in organizations that are really trying to make a difference in our community and um and raising money that they need. Like on, on Friday, uh, one of the big things that we, oh, sorry, Saturday last week, where we raised money for and our fund to need was for mental health. And um, that's big. I mean, the, one of the stats that I, that I walked away with that I just want to share for a moment before we get into the show was <clears throat> the call centers for mental health right now are, are like 20, 30% more of an increase than ever before. And that, and there's a lot of good news in that, right? That means people are actually reaching out for mental health assistance. And, and they're reaching out, me, meaning that not only do they need it, but the stigma of mental health I think we're finally addressing that in our in our society in a way. So so that's that's the good news, right? Uh, in all that. But uh, let me jump into what we're here for today. And today is uh, Coffee Connections. Like I mentioned, you're here. Insights with innovators. Uh, and on today's show, we're having a chat with Amy Zeta and Dara Grant. They're now they're co-founder. Oh, sorry, they're co-executive directors. Uh, and Amy is the founder of Creating Connected Communities. Their mission is to bring life-enhancing programs to children in need by empowering teens to become engaged community leaders and volunteers. Now, that's a big sentence. I can't wait to dissect that and learn all about what they're doing with that. Uh, they do this through their community outreach programs. CCC serves thousands of children and families in need and offers hundreds of teen volunteer opportunities annually. So let's welcome them into the show. Now, give me a minute, folks, because I got to unmute and figure it all out. Here we go. One, two, three. Welcome to the show. Thank, Thank you. you so much for having us. Absolutely. Let's start uh, before we get into anything. Let's a little coffee, coffee talk here. Uh, Amy, Tell us, do you have a coffee mug? I do. This is one of my favorite coffee mugs. Uh, and it says, I love meetings, about meetings, and don't want to spill my drink, but it says, about even more meetings underneath. And I really <laughs> oh, do not awesome. love meetings. Uh, I particularly well, love emails that are in place of meetings. <laughs> emails to have meetings. Do not love this. 
(laughs) (laughs) All right. And uh, Dara, what about you? I also have a coffee mug with a adorable picture of my children. And I, mine doesn't have anything fun to say on it, but the cutest kids I've ever seen. <laughs> now, does yours, is that the one that changes? Like it's a black mug and then you put hot water in it and it changes? No, but if I turn it the other way, then we're on it with my children. Ah, well, it magic. <laughs> so when it comes to coffee, ladies, how do you take your coffee? Are you coffee drinkers? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> How do you like your coffee? I like I... mine. This is, this is not supposed to happen. Uh, <laughs> I like mine with a little splash of milk in it. Okay. Me too. Milk, no sugar. So same, same. Um, same milk, same. no sugar. Uh, now, come on. Like, you don't do espresso drinks. So if, you go to, if you go to Starbucks, are you ordering a regular coffee or are you going fancy? Oh, I like a flat white from Starbucks. Uh huh. You know, with lots of milk in it. No sugar, still though. Sorry. Yeah. And Dara introduced me to the flat white, and then I saw one flat white with almond milk, and that's a recent one at Starbucks, and it's delicious. Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm a me. I'm a fan of almond milk. I, I don't put milk in my coffee, but I do like almond milk, and I never put sugar. Although Dunkin' Donuts has this new foam top thing. Uh, it's like a <laughs> sweet foam, and I don't know. It's okay. Uh, I'll good. give it that. Um, I keep wanting well, to try the sweet foam. Maybe, uh, maybe you'll get me to try it soon. Yeah. All right. Well, let's. Uh, uh, why don't you all take it away and and let everyone know about CCC? Yeah. Sure. Well, thank you so much again for having us. This is really an honor and an exciting opportunity for us to talk a little bit more about our organization, what we do, and potentially engage uh, new community members to get involved. So like you said at the beginning, um, the organization is called Creating Connected Communities, and it actually started as a project that I began as my bat mitzvah project back in 1995, where I really learned a lesson about what it meant to not just uh, acknowledge that something in the community was going on and that it was sad and upsetting, but actually try to do something about it. And so the first year um, I threw a holiday party for children living in a homeless shelter and realized that it was a wonderful experience for both myself and the families and the agency that we worked with. And uh, they asked us to continue doing it. And over the years we realized how much need there was in the community for what we call life enhancing opportunities to give children and families resources and experiences and and fun and love that they you know wouldn't otherwise experience and then to bring teens into that work and to give them opportunities to do meaningful and engaging volunteer work where often young children don't have that opportunity. For most things, you have to be 18. So we really realized there was this unique opportunity to bring these groups together. And in doing so, we were able to provide an experience of learning and engagement and growth. So out of that came Creating Connected Communities, which has been in existence officially since 2010. And uh, the mission is to do that exact thing, bring these two groups together to build relationships, build community, learn about each other, and support each other. Um, So we're very proud about the growth that we've had from this one holiday party that started with 25 kids in 1995 uh, to now being in its 27th year of the holiday party 
and everything else we've been able to build out uh, across creating connected communities year-round programming. We have a leadership development program for Jewish teens between eighth and 12th grade. And it's a four-year curriculum where you can work through various concepts, fundraising and public speaking and um, community needs assessments, partnership building and uh, social justice work that goes into what we do. Um, as they plan and implement programs for thousands of children and families in need across the city. So in 2020, despite and because of the pandemic, we are so excited and thankful that we were able to work with over 8,000 children. Um, and we now have a leadership development program this year, 2021, that includes 227 teens across four locations uh, around the city. Ah, there we go. <laughs> that is awesome. I can um, keep talking or not. <laughs> yeah, so, so now I understand how you got involved. Dara, how did you get involved then? Um, well, <laughs> I actually have been involved in Amy's holiday party since only a few years into when it first started. Um, Amy and I have actually known each other since our youth group days. And I met Amy, I think, when I was in 11th grade. Um, so I've actually it's always kind of been a part of who I am. And um, about three years ago, um, the, the organization has grown significantly. Like Amy said, in 2010, we became the nonprofit that we are now, creating connected communities. And then from then until now, um, we've grown quite a bit. Um, even since I started in the organization, the leadership development program has gone from 140 teens to 227 teens. And the year before that, only 80 teens. So, it's grown exponentially and the number of programs that we have has grown similarly. So as the organization was growing, um, Amy needed some support on the organizational side and with finances and um, all, all the fun stuff, you know, mm -hmm. all the back of office stuff. So yeah. I came in with my business background and, and came in to kind of help with that sort of thing. That makes sense. So is that why you chose to do uh, co-executive directing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it got to the point in the organization where I knew that the skills and experiences that I had to offer could only take us so far in the organization's growth and development. And the side that was really missing, like Dara said, is the operations side. And mm -hmm. that is not an area that you really want me very close to. Um, but <laughs> education and programs, I'm all over it. Mm -hmm. So the team that we had assembled um, has done an incredible job getting us there. And we really needed to bring in the business side to make this organization what it really could be. That's great. Now I'm going to come back to Amy's holiday party because I've got questions on that. So we'll get there. But um, but you talked about uh, community and I'm curious, what would you call what What community? What is your primary community? Because it's not the United States. Is it Atlanta? Is it a specific segment of Atlanta? Talk a little bit about that. So I, I would say that we when we say the word community, it actually would mean two different communities. So we have our um, one community of teens that we work with, and those are um, our leadership development program is for Jewish teens all over the metro Atlanta area. Like Amy said, we now are in four different locations, and that includes Dunwoody, Sandy Springs, um, the in-town metro in town Atlanta area, as well as Johns Creek. So that's um, one of our communities. And then we also support um, the children and families in need all over the metro Atlanta area. Um, so we, we reach pretty far and we have programs in multiple counties, including mm -hmm. Fulton, DeKalb, Cobb County, as well as in the city of Atlanta. So we're, we're pretty spread out within the Atlanta area. So where do you find your teens then? 
Um, teens come from all over, like Dara said. We're very excited that we've been able to also come to them, to meet them where they are and where they need this program to be operating so that they can access it. Um, the truth is, is that it is very much word of mouth. And um, we oftentimes have to close the program because we have so many teens who want to be involved. So we're very lucky and fortunate to have a, an incredible group of people, an expanding yearly group of people who want to be involved in the organization. Um, and so through partnerships with youth groups and schools and synagogues and, um, frankly, word of mouth from our teens themselves uh, about getting their friends involved is really how this organically grows. Now, you mentioned youth group four times. Which youth group did you all go to? <laughs> we, we were in were USY. In, yeah. Okay. I actually grew up in, that was the one I was in. I was in USY and Kadima was, in, yeah, exactly. Right. That's where we met. So, funny. Yeah, so do you ever go to uh, Camp uh, Blue Star for the, uh, what was it, LTI they called LTI. it, right? LTI. Yeah. Yes, we did. <laughs> I'm trying to think, you and said like, Bat Mitzvah in 94. So five, when did I get Bar Mitzvah? Actually, hold on. Today's the 22nd. I got Bar Mitzvah April 27th. A long time ago. <laughs> but I'm, I'm 43, so 77 to, I must, I feel like I got bar mitzvah in the 90s, but. It's so funny when I do like presentations and talk about it and I say my bat mitzvah 1995, I can literally see the people that I am talking to try to calculate my age in their head as I'm talking. <laughs> and I'm like, don't worry, I'm 38. But I am 38, right? Yeah, I'm 38. Oh, that's, uh, it's hard to, uh, the age thing gets me. I mean, I remember. The pandemic somehow somehow helped me realize I was forty three, but I I I sometimes forget my age. I have to count it. And I'm like, wait, huh? I but never can remember. I just remember I'm one year younger than Dara. There you go, Dara. I added you. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, one of the questions I have is, that, you know, I, I mean, listen, the the areas just to be just to be straightforward, deal right? Like the areas you're talking about are pretty good areas like the, the the most families when i think of dunwoody i don't think of kids really needing much help i feel like good community etc versus like college park where i feel like there's a lot more hmm. needs uh, uh kids that need a lot of help um and i'm just curious about maybe maybe you can give us a better understanding of you know who the who these kids are that that that, that need help well, I appreciate you saying that. I think that that's actually something that we talk about a lot in our organization. What does it mean to understand the community's needs and what assumptions do we have about our community and the people that are really close to us is a little bit further away from us? Um, what's what's accurate about that? What's correct? And what do we need to know in order to be appropriate, empathetic volunteers when we go out into the, into the community? So I'll tell you that we work with Title I schools homeless shelters, foster care, refugee centers all over the city, including in Sandy Springs and Dunwoody, as well as in College Park and Decatur and in Johns Creek. Um, so there is need everywhere and understanding that the sensitivity that we need to have about that, about who we are as individuals who want to do this work and about the people that we're meeting in these interactions, um, we need to understand that this is not a you know, another couple of exits down the road or another few, these zip codes only. This is everywhere. This is our one collective community. And when we create connections, it is all about learning and appreciating that so that we can be the most impactful we can be in our work. Right, right. Now that, that's that's great. And I think, of, you know, I think you, you used the word leadership. 
And it's going to take good leadership to really address these social justice issues that we're, we're having. And I mean, honestly, Atlanta is such a such an amazing opportunity for for kids to grow up in because like they're there's such opportunity for them to really make a difference and and programs like this and so many others that are uh, communities and schools and like all these programs they're 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 mentoring and they're providing these opportunities for kids to to make to learn how to be leaders uh, and then they have this world in front of them where they can actually make a difference immediately like it's and that's you know that's different like people are going to move to Atlanta to be able to do that but we're we're, we're a big pulse here. So, um, so I'm curious now, like you said, 10 years, uh, you, the organization was 2010 that, that it, have, it have became official. So you've had some folks that have grown up, you know, past maybe four years, they were in the program. What are some of the results we're seeing? Because 10 years is a big difference. I mean, look, 30 to 40, not that much of a difference, but 20 to 30, my gosh, like huge difference, 18 to 20 or 22, <laughs> uh, you get my point. Uh, so I'm right. curious, talk a little bit about uh, some of your success stories, if you will. Yeah, so um, it's really interesting because when the program start, first became real, so to speak, as you say, um, in 2010, um, it was even much smaller than it is now. And so now, last prior to the pandemic, we were running 11 outreach programs in a calendar year. Um, and when the, the first teen started in the program, it was just a few. Um, so even a teen who's grown up in the program now, this is when we're really seeing the ones who have been in the program that exist today, um, what they're having on the other end. But um, some amazing success stories. I mean, we have had teens who have come out, graduated from college and have come back to the organization to work as mentors. Um, so we have our teens in the program and then the curriculum is taught by our education director. And then the layer in between them is a group of mentors who are above that college age and they come back and they teach the curriculum that we're teaching to them. And we've actually had teens in our program come back and be excited to be a mentor in the program. We've had teen, a teen that's been on our um, adult board now. Um, so we're definitely starting to see a difference. We have read countless college essays and then um, emails as kids come out of college and, and just saying what an impact that um, CCC has had on them and what they're wanting to do now in college or now that they're back in Atlanta. So we're definitely starting to see that. It's a little more anecdotal now, but I think that um, we're, we're working right now. Actually, it was when you asked us about um, what we're working on. One of the things is how do we connect with these alumni and make sure that we're truly capturing all these stories and these numbers as as these teens are truly coming in back into the real, real world as adults. Right, right. And that's that's the beauty of leadership training is you see that you see it. You can see okay. where people go. And and, you know, often people think leadership training is to create the next president or, you know, uh, yeah, but it's not. It's about how how they show up in whatever they do or, how, yeah, you know what I'm saying? That's right. And that, that's a big thing. Go ahead. It really is amazing. You know, sometimes these teens will start with us in eighth grade and they're there because, you know, their friend was like, come do it. It's cool. It's a fun thing to do, which is awesome. Or, you know, I really need service hours to graduate. This is a great way to get it. Or I really need a resume builder. But it's not really about like the passion and the interest of what we're truly mm -hmm. doing at first. It's not the case for everybody, but it is the case for some teens. And it is truly amazing to watch the transformation that happens in the program as these teens go through it, experience these things, learn these top about these topics and really engage. And this light bulb goes off and it's like mm -hmm. all of a sudden they could be the quietest 
kid at the beginning and then become the president of the program. And that has happened so many times. It's just incredible to watch the evolution and also give them practical skills, like real skills that they can transfer to anything they do in the future, job-wise, volunteer-wise. Now, you both have kids, but you have kids that are teenagers? Uh, my oldest child is 13, so oh, wow, he will okay. be eligible for CCC's program for LDP next year. Okay. And so my reason, oldest is 12. Is what? 12. Okay. So the reason so why I ask is because teenagers, well, they're interesting animals, <laughs> right? I mean, it's like what they're going through internally. Uh, uh, you know, like I've got an eight-year-old and I'm squeezing onto him because I, I'm like, he's like, will you put on my sock? I'm like, of course I'll put on your sock. Like, I'm, I know that's going to go away and you're not going to want to hang out with me. And you're just going to be like, roll your eyes and be like, dad, uh, or whatever. And like, and so, so like that's a parenting, but like to, to work with kids that are, and you're trying to convince you, uh, you're trying to show them leadership skills, teach them leadership skills, but yet they're, they're battling themselves because they, they don't even know they're battling themselves. And that's gotta be a, a challenging thing. I mean, it's just working with teenagers. I think, I think that's also what drew me particularly to this age group. Um, i grew up, you know, uh, doing youth group and things like that and knew how to camp, knew how transformative those experiences could be. But I'm also an educator by training and I know how important those years are. And a lot of focus prior to me getting into this program and this work is on like young adults and then also on children, of course. But I felt like there was a critical need in this age group, really transformative opportunity to start young and as these teens grow, they're growing with these skills, with these experiences that will then become second nature to them and part of who they are as young adults and older adults. And so I think it is crucial to invest time and energy in this particular age group mm -hmm. to set them up for the success that we hope and we are seeing in the future. That's awesome. So I often there? tell people, yeah, so I often tell people that when I'm meeting with them about CCC that... Um, we're creating good humans. And um, it, it's not just leadership skills. We're, we're making compassionate and we're working on making good humans in this world. And um, my, one of my favorite things that our teens do is they run a teen phonathon every single um, fall. And it's, it's a kind of a culmination to their year-long experience, but our, our program is really cool because they learn about the full cycle of philanthropy. So we're not just learning about who needs who needs support or why they need support. And then they're learning how to plan the program that um, this the community we work with needs support. But then they also have to fundraise for that support. And they learn how to tell the story of why this organization has impacted them. And then they have to raise money for it. And if you think it's a small skill, but a lot of our 13-year-olds, or my 13-year-old, but in their program, 15, 16-year-olds, they're not even comfortable picking up the phone and say, hi, Mr. and Mrs. Sack, can I talk to you about a donation? Or can I talk to you about an organization I'm uh, involved in? Because you know what? They don't do this. They do this. Yeah, and so right. they literally don't even know how to use a phone properly. And so right. uh -huh. we're creating good humans. We're teaching them real world skills uh -huh. and how to really get along. Because the truth is, is that their lives have changed a lot from how uh -huh. even we grew up. Not that oh, many yeah. years ago. And, and let's face it. If you're, if you're, tr if you're doing the phone-a-thon like that, you have to teach the kids to be authentic and not phony. Mm -hmm. ah. 
good one. We'll have to use yeah. that in our curriculum this year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, working with other organizations, have you ever done, and volunteering, have you all worked with Repair the World? We have. We do, yeah. yes. I had a feeling um, you would. That makes sense. We see that as like an extension. So the teens that are with us are obviously younger, but that's uh -huh. where you can go, right? That's that whole idea of like, who uh -huh. are you now and how do you take this into the future? Repair the world is a great example of what you can do in your next phase. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, well, let's, let's, let's shift gears here for a second because it costs money to do all this. And um, I'm assuming you have a money tree in the backyard that you water and it grows. And that's how you, right? That's behind door number two. Oh, behind door number two. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was wondering what's behind door number two. Now, so tell us yes. a little bit where other than folks, you can go to cccprojects.org and boom, make a donation yeah. right there. Uh, but where do you get your funding from? Is it mostly uh, direct individuals? Is it foundations? Well, talk a little bit about that. Um, so we are thankfully, I think a healthy organization in this, in this case where we have a combination of different um, avenues where we get money from. Um, we do we do get a good amount of money through foundations and through grant funding where we actually are either invited to apply for grants or that we have been applying to some grants for a good period of time. Um, we have a good amount of personal donations and the backbone of our organization, as I like to say, is our SAC Society, which is a three-year commitment to the organization at yeah. the $1,000 level or more, which is awesome. And then we're also particularly unique in that we can actually take in-kind donations. Um, because while you can't pay my salary in t-shirts, they're really great when someone donates t-shirts for our annual, annual Amy's holiday event and um, we have enough t-shirts for every single teen. And then it's amazing when Mellow Mushroom donates pizza for our Amy's holiday party every year and we have pizza for everybody who comes to the event. So that's something unique for us that a lot of organizations cannot depend on. Awesome. Uh, and you mentioned uh, you mentioned the holiday party, Amy's holiday party. Uh, that is an annual event that obviously took place in 2019, not in 2020. Did you not Actually, move to did you do any virtual or what did, did you do anything like that? It was incredible. Our program team is amazing. And mm -hmm. through really innovative thinking and the ability to engage so many people in our community to make this happen, we actually divided all of our teens into planning groups, assigned each of them one of the agencies that we work with. They learned about that agency, their needs, and how we could best serve them, then took money that they had raised from the phone-a-thon and other areas and planned a deliverable program for each organization that included everything from food and books and gifts to their own particular needed items, whether it was personal care products or even like mm -hmm. tables and chairs and microwaves, tablets for the kids to use it for school. So we were able to do those all over the city. We did 19 of them. Oh, wow. And um, the teens participated in all of those aspects with some incredible adult lay leadership and our program staff and team. Mm -hmm. And um, we're looking to do it again this year and uh, this time be able to incorporate our teens in that mm -hmm. delivery and implementation all was outside and, you know, socially distanced and safe. So you said 19, but let's be real. It's a Jewish organization. It was 18 plus a bonus one. <laughs> the one for good luck. <laughs> and so when you, when you look at like a, uh, what you did, this is what I'm finding about the nonprofit world right now. It's like, well, we had to pivot. We tried doing something different. Okay. And it, it was amazing. 
and now you're able to go back to your in-person, hopefully, right? That's, you know, God willing, whatnot, that will we'll be in person, and I believe we will. Um, but what you learned doesn't go away. The new right. revenue streams that you created doesn't go away. The new opportunities don't go away. And yeah, I mean, you might have created more work for yourself, but I mean, that's why we're doing this is to give more. Um, and so that's that's a neat thing. And I, I would imagine, like you said, that's not going to go away. Uh, when you do Amy's party, though, um, in person, wh where is that at? Is that at a, a, is it typically at like a, a rental or like what's what's it what's the story behind all that? How did how has it evolved? So it has been at many different locations over the years. It, when Amy did the very first Amy's holiday party, she went directly to the shelter where she was working at, and and that was the case for a few years. Um, at one point, it was in the basement of um, the is it the Jewish Family and Career Services building that's in town. Um, at one point, it was in the basement of AA Synagogue. It was at an arts facility at one point, and it's been at a hotel many years for a while, and then gone and then back again that was near Turner Field. So it has been all over the place. Hmm. Most importantly, it needs to be um, in a place where public transportation can get to it because we want to make sure that the communities that we're serving have a way to get there. Yeah, that's great. And then, I mean, I think about the areas that, that you live. Um, seems to me that you, there's a good opportunity for some private house parties uh to raise some money you know people summer's coming you you know and yeah. you've got these there's some nice homes in dunwoody someone somebody out there go ahead have a nice little private party mellow mushroom will donate the pizza charge your friends a good amount of money and put all the proceeds to ccc uh, that sounds, sounds like great. a lot of fun <laughs> that sounds there. like a lot of fun we're in let us know right. where to show up, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, oh, gosh, it's lovely talking with you both. Uh, I think the work you're doing is great. Is there anything um, that we maybe missed or that you wanted to bring up that we didn't talk about that you want to share? Um, we're Again, we're really thankful that you invited us to be a part of this, thankful for the opportunity to tell more people about the work that we're doing. And what we know is that it absolutely resonates with people who are looking to make an impact in the local community and really serve children and families in need. And it also resonates with people who have Jewish teens who want their teens to be a part of this outreach work. So we hope that, um, like Dara said, in-kind donations, monetary donations, any way that um, anybody feels they might be able to support what we're doing, we'd be grateful for. Um, but most importantly, we're really proud that we've been able to offer this to the community, that it has mm -hmm. been met with such um, excitement and need, honestly, the, that we can fill. And um, every year we're trying to grow and improve and learn. And um, we're thankful to so many people in the community who have gotten us to where we are today. Right on. Well, um, before I let you all go, there's two of you. So normally I say, before I let you go, can you recommend another innovator in the nonprofit world here in Atlanta? But there's two of you, so I'm open to more than one suggestion and recommendation if you're so kind to offer. Um, well, we talked to um, uh, a very close tie to CCC, and that is um, Ian's Friends Foundation. Uh, okay. And we think they would be a great organization for you to talk to. They um, work on raising money for cancer research for um, oh. pediatric brain cancer research. And um, the reason I say they're close to us is because they are a family who's involved in CCC and they have a child in our program. And so we mm. think that they would be a fantastic um, organization for, for you to talk to. Wonderful. Yeah, that would be great. I haven't... Um, that would be an organization I would be very interested in learning about. So thank you yeah. very much for that. Sure. 
All right. Well, thank you all so much for your time. Uh, folks, you. we'll see you all uh, maybe next week. I'm going to say next week. Pretty sure we have something Thursday. Tuesday, I'm going to be in Savannah for the Georgia Auctioneer Association. Uh, mm -hmm. little meeting that they've got going on. Um, but ladies, thanks for your time. And everyone, we'll see you next week. You're tuned in again to Coffee Connections with your host, your Rockshaneer.